0: Welcome, everybody, to another episode of Run Past the Brain Cell. I'm Adam Skirko, as always, joined by Jake Miller. And Jake, this is different. We're actually recording on a Wednesday right now. Do You want to explain why?
1: Yeah, I'll go for it, Adam. So pretty much what we decided to do was, since we both had some free time on this Wednesday, we decided to do a recap for Eyes on 5 for last week's games, just so we wouldn't have to do, like, almost a 2 hour podcast on Friday and I'm working Black Friday's so, and that's going to be hell and coming back to that to do 2 hour podcast probably not the best of things to do and we wanted to cover over some optional topics that we usually wouldn't cover in an, on our usual podcast so we're doing kind of a shorter one today while covering some NFL news
0: indeed because of the fact that We wanted to be able to have a, we wanted to be able to do a recap and not have to go through nine games where we do our Eyes on 5 recap and then recap all of the Thanksgiving games as well as the Black Friday game, which whenever you're listening to this, happy Thanksgiving. Or if you don't celebrate Thanksgiving, but you have the days off, happy days off, happy uh, four day weekend. But anyway, Jake, we're going to get things started here with your first game, which was The Dolphins taking on the Raiders, Dolphins beating the Raiders 20 to 13 in Miami. What were your takeaways from this game?
1: My takeaways were that this game should have been a lot worse than it should have been because Miami had a lot of uh, had a lot of offensive inaptitude. And because of that, they let the Raiders hang in there for a lot longer than what they should have even with Aiden O'Connell throwing three interceptions. The last one, that was just a, a pseudo-Hell Mary because he's like, fuck it. Chuck it downfield and see what happens. The really thing that I come to see with this game is that with their injury luck, I don't know how far they'll go because you know this all too well as a Devon A-chain fantasy owner. Ugh. He had one rush and then re-aggravated that knee and now he's back on injury. We don't know how for how long, but at least we can kind of see Raheem Mostert still do things. And Salvin Ahmed, former Washington boy, he will do good enough work as your second string, but he's going to be nowhere near that Raheem Mostert-Devon A-chain combo. But at the end of the day, I really think if it wasn't for the Dolphins' defense helping their offense a lot this game, the Raiders had a pretty good chance of winning this because of how inaptitude that Dolphins offense was at the end of the day. The Raiders, they couldn't get the run game going, and that's what really fucked them at the end of the day.
0: Well, I absolutely agree with that. And not to mention, I mean, Savan Ahmed, we would love for him to, you know, be able to be that second guy, but he's on injured reserve now, Jake. So, The Jeff Wilson hype train. Woo-woo. Yeah, kill me. Yeah, Devon HN gets hurt after one carry and one catch. And I was just like, cool, Saquon's going for 30 PPR points. And Devon HN gave me 1.5. Definitely a contributing factor to why I lost this weekend by a total of four points. But regardless, yeah, Jake, the Raiders running game is... What happened to Josh Jacobs? I mean, 14 carries, 39 yards. Keep in mind, this was the guy that led the league in rushing last year. And he was on fire. And that holdout, I really think, just absolutely killed him. Now, Devontae Adams is still doing pretty damn good work. Absolutely target hogging by a mile. The next closest was Trey Tucker with seven targets. But, you know, seven for 82 and a touchdown off 13 targets. That's really nice. That last interception that Aiden O'Connell threw against Jalen Ramsey, that was just a hell of a play by Jalen Ramsey. Honestly, surprised that he survived the ground on that pick. But Jake, I think the biggest thing that you said that I absolutely agree with is, you're right, this game should have been a bloodbath. Miami, honestly, I don't understand how they were unable to not just blow out the Raiders team. Now, granted, they are well coached, and they did get, you know, they did have a contribution of three turnovers from the Dolphins, two fumbles, and a pick. But even then, you look at to a stat line, 28 to 39 for 325, two touchdowns, and a pick. That should be way more. But the running game was not very strong. And then, Jake, if we go even further into that, though, and we look at like the time of possession, the. Dolphins had the ball for five more minutes. Penalties were dead even, but the turnover battle, three to three. That's how bad teams stay in games against good teams. Even with 422 yards for the Dolphins to 296 for the Raiders. That just comes down to turnovers. I think that as far as the Dolphins go, they really, really need to clean things up because when you're going to be going into the playoffs, potentially as the division winner, you need the ability to put up a ton of points and negate mistakes because Kansas City, yes, they lost. They're now seven and three, but they're still pretty damn good. You also look at, you know, the at Miami's division, Buffalo is six and five, but they're playing the Eagles. If they can win the against the Eagles, that's going to be a massive benefit and something that Miami's really going to have to worry about. And keep in mind, Jake, Buffalo still has a bye. Miami does not. I think that is something to definitely keep an eye on.
1: Oh, easy. Miami's going to have to keep up with the pretty much the Chiefs and the Ravens, like you said, in the AFC. Because those are the top two right now. Besides that, I mean, if the Dolphins want to go far in the playoffs, and like I said earlier, they have to fix this offensive inaptitude. They have to have next man up type of deal here, whether it be a wide receiver injury. Because the one thing we've seen this year is Tyreek Hill is doing Tyreek Hill things. Could be the first receiver ever to get MVP. Jalen Waddell, though, your number two, has been banged up. And because of that... It's l- forcing other guys to step up and people aren't stepping up. I don't know who's going to be that number two now if Waddle's out for an extended period because I believe he has a knee injury. But I- moving away from that game, your first game, Adam, was the Rams and Seahawks, correct?
0: Unfortunately, it was. And the Rams at home took care of the Seahawks in a game that honestly was incredibly close but Seattle was leading it for the most part throughout the entire game. The Rams did not get their first lead until they got until they made it 17-16. And Jake, my Seahawks are just a weird team. And this is why I've always said I could never watch a Seahawks game and be calm. Geno Smith, 22 of 34 for 233 and a touchdown which sounds like a great stat line, but then he got hurt. Drew Locke came in, threw six passes for a grand total of three yards, and he threw a pick, which really hurt this team because they scored on that drive. And Jake, like, when I look at Seattle, their running game, that's what Pete Carroll bases everything on. Zach Charbonnet, 15 carries for 47 yards. Kenneth Walker only had four carries. Now, you can also think about that, you know, being an injury. He has, I believe, a oblique injury that he's dealing with. A lot of oblique injuries I've noticed, Jake, this year. But I think that if Charbonnet is going to be the sole back, which I highly doubt, I think we're going to see more DJ Dallas. We might finally be able to see what Charbonnet actually has, because I really do think that Pete Carroll trying to have a two-back system works only if you are able to give both running backs ample opportunities, because it seems like, Jake, over the last couple weeks, Kenneth Walker was being used less and less, and I didn't understand why. Now, receiving-wise, Jackson Smith and Jigba is definitely getting the targets that you would hope he would get alongside DK and Tyler. Both of them had five catches, DK for 94 yards and a touchdown, Tyler Lockett for 51, but Jackson Smith and Jigba, he got targeted six times, had three catches for 40 yards. I really do think though, Jake, this defense needs to tackle better and they need to be more disciplined. Seattle, Jake, think about this. Think about this. Seattle had... 12 penalties for a grand total of 130 yards. They only had 291 total yards of offense. You cannot have that, especially with where, when the penalties happened, you had a pass interference on Devin Witherspoon, which I do think was a little questionable, definitely a bit of a ticky tack call, but you know, you can't do anything about it now. But then you also had an illegal use of hands, hands to the face by Reek Woolen, which also extended a drive. Both of those, the Rams scored on The, the Seahawks can't get out of their own way. They shoot themselves in the foot too much. And not to mention, Jake, the time of possession, again, Seattle held the ball for 32 minutes compared to the Rams less than 28. First downs were damn close. Total plays. Seattle had four more plays. They had more yards. They had a higher yards per play. It came down to penalties and red zone. Seattle could not get back in the red zone. They got down there twice. They got a touchdown. The rest were field goals. And the Rams got down there four times, but cashed two of them in for touchdowns. That is the story of this game, as well as the penalties. And if Seattle doesn't clean it up, I, I'm worried about my team.
1: Yeah, easily, because like we talked about earlier today, their next four is a murderer's row that almost even the best of teams would probably go two and two, maybe.
0: Oh, it's painful.
1: Seattle, I think, is going to go two and two at best, but one and three is not out of the realm of possibility. Because, folks, this is how difficult their next four is going to be. They have the 49ers, the Cowboys, 49ers again and then they have the eagles just the best team in the in the league record wise so they're going to get the biggest rival they have right now in their division and two of the top 5 teams in the NFC as well you can make an argument two of the top 3 teams in the A- in the NFC but i don't like seattle's chances here if they don't figure their shit out and Zach Charbonnet doesn't show that he can be a lead back, or at least take over while Kenneth Walker is out for a bit. Uh, dude, they might finish that net, that four week stretch with a with a under five hundred record, at seven and eight, at best. And sorry, no, not seven and eight. Looking at about seven and seven, seven and seven, yeah. So they would be five hundred right on the dot and. Yes, it's the NFC, but you don't want to be one of the lesser teams in the NFC because if you go against one of the top dogs with this type of roster and this type of inconsistency,
0: you're fucked. Well, exactly, Jake, especially because of the fact that this was looked at as a get-right game for Seattle because they had just come off a win against the Commanders in a game that, again, they probably should have won comfortably. I mean, the Commanders... They just lost to the Giants, but the Rams in division, I don't know what it is about Sean McVay, but he just owns Pete Carroll. He, he just beats Pete Carroll every year. They swept him this year because they beat him 30 to 13 in week one. And Jake Puka Nakua, even though Cooper cup went down, he only had one catch for 11 yards, but Puka Nakua, I was screaming at the TV because I didn't understand why just all of a sudden they decided in the fourth quarter on the final drive. Yeah, we're just going to leave Puka wide open for 32 yards. And it was just now as a Puka Nakua fantasy owner, I loved it. As a Seahawks fan, I was despising it. Now, Seattle did lose this on a missed field goal, a la San Fran losing one against the Browns via missed field goal. But the difference between the two and the biggest reason why I'm worried about tomorrow night, Jake, is when you look at how the Niners played in that game against the Browns. They turned the ball over quite a lot. Seattle, they were even on turnovers. You look at um, you. You look at how Seattle was coming off their win last week, whereas they, you had the Niners coming off of a forty-two to ten drubbing, if I remember right, I'm pretty sure that's when it was, against the Cowboys. They had two different momentums before they started their skids. I'm not saying Seattle is going to start skidding right now, but it is definitely something to keep an eye on because of the fact that Seattle does not have the firepower that the Niners have, and they definitely don't have the quarterback in Brock Purdy that they have in Gino because Gino is regressing a little bit this year. But Jake, we're going to move to your second game, which somehow was really, really good air quotes. And that was New York and Washington. The Giants beating the commanders by a lot, 31 to 19, 12. That's technically a blowout. Jake, what were your thoughts on this game? This game was just weird
1: as hell. You had Tommy DeVito, a guy who was probably in line, and as you say, see either be a line chef or a mechanic. Or stockbroker at Coldwell <laughs> Banker. Exactly. He came off the streets, and the first two weeks didn't really do shit. Then he does this against this defense, and he like, Ron Rivera, what the fuck are you doing? You were part of the 85 Bears squad that went undefeated. That defense is they didn't your go calling card. They didn't go undefeated. Yeah, sorry. They lost one game. <laughs> yes, sorry. They won the Super Bowl and arguably the best defense in NFL history. You were part of that defense. Your calling card is also is, is a defensive head coach. Yes, you traded off your two best pass rushers and Montez Sweat and Chase Young. I understand that. But the Giants O line is one of the worst and pass blocking efficiency and pass block win rate in the league. How the hell did you not do shit? Yes, you got nine sacks. You still got your ass kicked by twelve points. Now, I had to put a, some blame. First time I've said this for the for the kid. I had to put some blame on Sam Howell. Three picks against this Giants defense is unacceptable. This is also one of the, probably in the mid-20s, for EPA, for defensive plays, one of the worst. The only player on this freaking offense that went off was Brian Robinson. 7 for 73, and he had 7 catches for 59 yards. Hell of a good day by him. Everybody else, uh, middling numbers. It's just one of those things, like, what the fuck happened? I don't understand it. Like, the Isaiah Simmons pick, I I will give that, that was a free pick. Because Howell should not have thrown that ball because his his arm was pretty much being wrapped around when he threw that up as a freaking, like, rainbow arch. The other two, one was just a great play by the defense, and the other one was just like, oh, shit. I just missed him in that side of the field type thing. I don't understand it, man. This should have been an easy win for the commanders and Sam Howell should have had like three touchdowns to one pick. No, it was one to three, but it's his first full year starting. And he's showing that he's still a franchise quarterback and he's still leading the league in passing yards. So I'll give the kid a pass, but I'm still going to blame him for this
0: loss. Well, I can't necessarily give him a pass because Jake, yes, he, he played all right. I mean, well, (laughs) all right being the operative word, but yeah, he threw three picks. They also had Jake three lost fumbles. You cannot lose the turnover battle six to nothing. No, no team can, no team can overcome that. No one, not even the chiefs, when they were beating people, when they spotted Deshaun Watson, 24 points and then blew him out. I don't even think the Chiefs could recover from six turnovers, especially when Washington dominated time time of possession, almost 35 minutes. They out-yarded them. They had more drives. They had more passing yards, more rushing yards, more first downs. They doubled them up in first downs. They were almost equal on third down, and yet Tommy DeVito this is what it came down to jake turnovers they got timely sacks as well Cava on thibodeau with two sacks dexter lawrence ha- added one and jihad ward also added one but saquon barkley was the biggest reason jake 14 carries for 83 yards and four catches for 57 yards and two touchdowns that was the key to it because brian robinson was going off but he was not getting the touchdowns that saquon was getting when you have a running back like saquon barkley who can go out wide and run posts run go balls run slants when you have that weapon it makes a world of difference because brian robinson while he is a very very good running back I would not consider him in the same realm as a Saquon, a Christian McCaffrey, an Austin Eckler, a Devon Achan. I would look at Brian Robinson as a nice bruiser with a little bit of receiving capabilities. And that's what the that was the difference in it. You had Saquon being able to basically attack through both the ground game and in the passing game, because the Washington Commanders had 174 yards rushing Jake what team do you know has 174 yards rushing and gets nine sacks and gets blown out because I don't know any team like that especially a team that was favored by seven and a half and the over under was 39 and a half the Giants almost got that by themselves it's it's an absolute joke, and I picked the Commanders last Friday, Jake. I picked the Commanders to upset the Cowboys, mainly because I think that Sam Howell at least has a chance if he plays clean. Uh, I'm not changing my pick, but I'd definitely be concerned. Oh, easy.
1: I wouldn't be changing your pick on that one either because the Commanders are very up and down. I think that this was definitely the down game, but I hope they can do something against the Cowboys. But if I remember, we both picked the commanders to win this game. You picked the Cowboys. Uh, No, 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 no. For this game specifically. Oh,
0: for this game, yes. For the Giants commanders, yeah. Jake and I both picked the commanders. That was, we went two and three on our picks. Again. Yes.
1: So last time for us, picking our teams, not the greatest, but it's kind of just like We are picking teams that should win these games because they're not quote-unquote easy wins because there's no such thing as an easy win in the NFL. Every team, any given Sunday, can win any game. It's just one of those things that we're picking the more probable team or the team we favor the most. We can still get our asses kicked.
0: Absolutely. And when we say an easy win, the reason why we say that is because we go off the eye test. You see one team playing and you see the other team playing and you judge it based off of your eyes. This team should beat this team fairly easily. But the NFL, the reason why we love it is because it is very unpredictable. But Jake, moving on to my second game and Denver, Minnesota, the Broncos Beating the Vikings, ending their five game winning streak and extending their own to four games, 21 to 20. This was the Sunday night football game. And Jake, this game, (sighs) this game was infuriating for me. And I'll explain why. Because watching the play calling by Sean Payton, it made Russell Wilson look like Kenny Pickett, where you don't trust him. You you're treating him almost like a rookie, heavy run or runs at inopportune times on first down almost always. And it was just one of those things that you need to let your quarterback play, like you need to let your quarterback loose sometimes. You look at how Minnesota plays with Josh Dobbs, they kind of just let him go. I know they had a pretty decent run game: 36 carries for 175 yards and a touchdown. Like Minnesota had a pretty damn decent rushing attack, though. We could also say that Ty Chandler's uh, rushing total is a little skewed because of a 31 yard fake punt. But the other thing, Jake, is Russell Wilson. We talked about it. The idea that he was washed to me was stupid. And this is the other thing why I think uh, QBR is a little bit of an overrated stat. They say that Russell Wilson had a 31.9 QBR, whereas Josh Dobbs had a 55 QBR. Passer rating, Josh Dobbs, 80.3. Russell Wilson, 106, almost 107. The reason why I couldn't buy into Russell Wilson being washed is because there was no evidence of a quarterback ever being Hall of Famer, great, in the discussion for top five, top six. To washed can't play, should be just retired. There was no precedent for it. And Russell Wilson, what we're seeing is he's not all of Seattle, Russ, but he's still got that magic. And him hooking up with Cortland Sutton, that touchdown was hey, I trust that you're going to make this play or the ball's going to fall to the turf. And because he threw that up for grabs, quote unquote. The corner was out of position, though. I don't know if that corner could have picked it. It probably would have gotten knocked down. But Cortland Sutton, who we consider to be a jump ball specialist, he went up and grabbed it. And I like what we're seeing with the Broncos because their defense, Jake, they this defense is a hell of a turnaround. They were able to get three turnovers from the Vikings. That brought them to a total of 12 through three games which is the most, I think, by anyone for a while. And now they're at 500 with a sneaky chance of making it into the playoffs, which I think I predicted that I could see them getting a wild card. I didn't think they could win the division, but I definitely was more optimistic than I believe you were, even though I did pick the Chargers to finish second. I did think Denver was still in position for a wild card. And at 5-5, five and five, they're definitely not out of it. Oh, easy. They're
1: both Minnesota and the Broncos. The amount of adversity that they've had to face this year and the amount of things they have overcome, it's just like, holy shit. They're both doing really good. It's like you said earlier, one team just snapped a five-win streak and the other is on a current four-win streak. You would have not told me that after seeing how many injuries they faced and one of them being down their second string and their first string quarterback and their and probably the best receiver in the NFL if not a top three minimum um and I agree with we both agreed with this like you said earlier we both thought that Russell Wilson, he wasn't washed. We blame, we put a lot more blame on their wide receiver injuries. And the fact that Nathaniel Hackett was a hack. But the Vikings tried their damnedest in this game. But it was just one of those things where Hawkinson getting injured early really fucked them. Hawkinson getting injured right then. It was what? Middle of the third?
0: Yes, middle of the third.
1: Yeah, when Hawkinson getting injured middle of the third when you were when it was still a, when it's it was close game entirety of the game. You needed him, you needed that safety blanket, you needed that number one person to come and help you. But it's just one of those things where next man up, um next man didn't do shit. Just because... Well, actually, I really can't say that because Josh Oliver, their second-string tight end, did have 47 yards and a touchdown.
0: He performed I can't all say, right.
1: Second-string tight end doing that against this defense? You'll take that any day of the week. Most teams would take that for their starting tight end. to be have to be that good. But it was a really close game. Fuck, one of my favorite games so far of the year because it was just a nail-biter all the way through. The Broncos came back from 11 down to come back and win and get 12 points in the fourth quarter. They are showing resilience, which I'm really happy to see because that was the one question mark I had with the Broncos team, even with the win streak, how resilient are they when being down multiple scores and they showed against maybe not an elite defense, but a pretty good defense
0: and a pretty good offense. Not to mention Jake, the Vikings were a lot more aggressive than Denver. Keep in mind, Denver settled for five field goals in the red zone. They or they went one for five in the red zone. They kicked four field goals in the red zone before that touchdown. And then they had another field goal. Will Lutz, if you had him on fantasy, I mean, you were just jumping for joy. But I think the other thing, Jake, looking at it, the Vikings attempted four fourth downs and they converted on three. Denver only went for it on one, but it was right at the end of the game. And it was that nice touch pass from Russ to Cortland Sutton, which he snagged with one hand, just a sensational catch. His second straight week with a sensational catch. But Jake, I think the other thing that I thought was really telling was Denver had a bead sort of on what Minnesota was wanting to do. There was two plays... On, I believe it was the second to last or last drive of the game where you had this out route to, it was either TJ Hawkinson or Josh Oliver, but Justin Simmons broke it up two straight times in the exact same way. Tight end got his hands on the ball. Simmons knocked it out right then and took him to the ground. That right there was definitely a telling sign for me because it let me know Denver's playing loose they're playing aggressive and they're they are catching on to what Minnesota was wanting to do now credit to Minnesota for taking advantage of the tush push on a couple of those fourth downs because it's the most unstoppable play we're about to talk about that here in just a moment but Jake I don't think Minnesota's quite out of it yet but I do think that it's going to be interesting if they can make a push for a wild card spot I don't think I think they're going to be able to. I think they might just miss out ever so slightly. But Denver, I definitely think a wild card spot. If they can continue this win streak, maybe get to nine wins, maybe 10. I'm not going to say that for a fact, though. They're not out of it by any stretch. But Jake, we're going to move on to our final game, which was the Monday night game. And a game that we thought could potentially be a repeat of of this past super bowl, you know, nine months ago. And it definitely was not the Eagles though. They rewrote history. They won this game 21 to 17 over the chiefs. Now they won't get a fancy ring for it, but they definitely are going to get bragging rights. This is the first time that the Eagles have beaten Andy Reid since he left. And the first time that Jason Kelsey has gotten a win over his brother, Travis and Jake, my thoughts on this game are plain and simple. The Eagles were a little lucky to win this game, but this is just the kind of game that they've been winning all year where they've looked honestly terrible and yet they find a way to win. Now, early on, they were running a lot of screen passes and they weren't working. They were getting blown up. They're lucky one of them didn't get picked because they had one that it popped up in the air. And I thought if they picked it, guy gets up quick. It was a surefire pick six. And I think that you look at Jalen Hurts, he had 12 carries, but for 29 yards and two rushing touchdowns. Through the air, he had 150 yards and a pick. And he had one rushing attempt in the first half. In the second half, they decided, you know what? We're gonna have Jalen Hurts just run the ball. And it worked well because of the fact that that was what Kansas City was susceptible to. They had no answer for it. And the tush push, I mean, Philly does it better than anyone. And it fucked me in fantasy. Jalen's second rushing touchdown cost me the win in fantasy this week. So it dropped me down. It ended my four-game win streak, which I'm salty about. But what it also showed, Jake, is A.J. Brown, he doesn't have to have a big game because Devontae Smith, he had six catches for 99 yards, including that big one that brought him down to the one. I really wish he had gone in for the touchdown, but to each their own. And it also showed me, Jake, Kansas City is definitely in trouble as far as receiving core. Your leading receiver was Justin Watson, which if you remember three years ago, he was with the Buccaneers and he got doghoused because Brady threw two pick sixes in consecutive weeks trying to target him. He got shipped out right after that. And <sighs> Travis Kelsey, he had seven catches for 44 yards and that touchdown, which was pretty creative, but hell, Justin Watson out targeted him. I mean, and that's more to Philly saying, he's not beating us. We, if we lose this game to your wide receiver core that basically looks like the starting five, or starting six, starting five and bench for a pickup basketball game at a men's league, they weren't able to run the ball with enough efficiency either, Jake. Isaiah Pacheco, 19 carries for 89 yards, he had Mahomes throw it 43 times. You weren't really down all that much. I think that what we're gonna be seeing, Jake, is a bit of a shift for Kansas City. Mahomes is going to have his new contract kick in, I believe, next year. This defense is definitely going to be needing to step up. And not to mention, they need to figure out a new plan once Travis Kelsey retires because after the game. He was talking about retirement. That is not good.
1: Yeah, I think with the whole retirement thing, if both the Kelsey brothers decided to hang up their boots at the end of this year, I could st- so see it happening. And I think it would be not poetic justice, but I think it would be like very well timed for the both of them. Their podcast is freaking doing amazing. I love it. And it's, yeah, it's one of my favorites to listen to. And they have all the good guests come up. And like my favorite was probably the Shannon Sharp episode. You just had like two, you had two of some of the best tight ends in NFL history, just going at it with each other. And Jason was just there laughing his ass off, just providing some commentary. And they are, they can live off the sponsorship deals that they have in Kansas city and Philadelphia. I think it would be one of those things like podcast full time, do some sponsorships, show up to a game every now and then. You're golden, Pony Boy. And they're both going to be Hall of Famers. Patrick Mahomes, yes, your receiving core is total ass and you had a lot of drops. But 43 passing attempts for 177 yards, what the fuck? I realize you have to do a quick pass game because that Eagles defense, defensive line was all over his ass. They only came up with one sack, but there was a shit ton of pressures this game. What really had me worried was, like you said, Justin Watson out-targeted Travis Kelsey. What the hell? I heard it the other day. They need to unleash Rasheed Rice. Let him do a vertical game. Don't do this dink and dunk, quick, slant, intermediate bullshit with Rasheed. He is strong and big. He can go against most corners and win at the point of attack. Let's see what he can do down deep down the field. You have one of the best quarterbacks in the league for with deep ball accuracy. See if or she can get a ball or two. Even if he doesn't catch it, at least try it. That's what's really limiting this offense. MVS, yes. He is amazing with his speed. But we saw that with that touch with that t- the dropped touchdown that could have iced the game, uh his hands aren't the greatest. As a former as a Former Packer, I saw him for a good amount of years, and he's a good receiver, but he's not going to catch the things that he should. The thing yeah. that I loved from Spagnolo, and I think we can both appreciate this as we are both Trent McDuffie lovers, two sacks for the guy. They used him in that pass rush so phenomenally.
0: Oh, absolutely. And I think the other thing, Jake, when it comes to you know this game and moving forward, I think what I'm mainly worried about with Kansas City is in the last three games, Jake, you want to know how many points they've scored in the second half? Bagel. If I remember right, it's 5.8. Nope. Bagel. They have not scored a single point in the second half in the last three games. Mm hmm.
1: Oh, that sorry. Is,
0: yeah, no, that is DEFCON. That's DEFCON 1, if you're
1: asking I'm gonna, me. I'm going to interrupt here. That 5.8 is actually the amount of points throughout the season they scored in the second half, if I remember right, reading a statistic. They also had the 32nd scoring offense points-wise in the second half. Never thought I would say that with a Patrick Mahomes and Andy Reid offense.
0: Exactly, and... I think that moving forward, Jake, I think that the Eagles are going to be sitting pretty. I think that they, they basically, they obviously control their own destiny at this point. But I think what also is big to look at with this, Jake is this game was potentially a elf, like a massive L for them. And it would have closed the gap between them and the Cowboys in the division. Now, If they're able to win, I think... I'm trying to remember who their next game is up against. But if they're able to win that game, Jake, they're going to be sitting extremely pretty. Because it's against the Bills. If they can beat the Bills as well, this is going to be potentially number one seed lockup. Now, if they do stumble against the Bills... I don't think they'd be worried about the Cowboys more so the lions or the 49ers, but it is definitely a big game for the Eagles and the chiefs. They have to get something going in the second half because you cannot, if they have any chance of repeating, like you said, I think they need to unleash Rasheed rice. We've seen so much potential, but he's been inconsistent. I think part of that is how they've been using him. I think that you can use him a little bit like Kadarius Tony, but honestly a bit better. Don't be afraid to line him up in the backfield to get mismatches. I think that Rasheed Rice, I've said this for the last couple weeks, Jake. They need to use Rasheed Rice as their number one weapon. Not receiver, but weapon. Because Travis Kelsey is exactly what he is arguably the greatest tight end of all time, but you need to be able to have an outlet outside of Travis Kelsey. But Jake moving past this, I do think we have to talk about your Steeler pick for winning the division this year. Just got a lot better because Matt Canada has been canned. Finally. It took
1: fucking long enough. Ladies and gentlemen, Steelers fans rejoice. The bad man is gone. You might actually have an operable defense offense now with an amazing defense to go along with it. These next seven weeks is going to be a make it or break it for Kenny Pickett, in my opinion, because it's like you said with Colin Coward. I can excuse this half of the season because Matt Canada offense enough said and Pat fryer your safety blanket uh has gone down the hill Deontay Johnson out for a few games George Pickens hasn't done shit these last few weeks rookie year looked really good coming down the stretch to, towards the end of the season but if Pickett doesn't do good this year uh it wouldn't shock me if they say like you know what fuck it let's take a quarterback in the second round let's see what happens just because Steelers are Steelers. They may be old school and don't do shit because I read a statistic that this is the first time they have fired a coach since 2004.
0: Not to mention, Jake, this is the first in-season coaching change made since I believe it was 1941 when a guy fired himself. Here's the thing with Kenny Pickett, Jake. I don't know if I can excuse all of this being Matt Canada, because in nine of his 22 career games, he doesn't have a touchdown pass. He has six touchdown passes on the year, Jake. That is behind Bryce Young, Mac Jones, Matt Stafford. You're behind Derek Carr. You're behind quarterbacks that I don't know if you'd be better than, but we would expect more from you because it's not like your receiving core is lacking. George Pickens, stud. Deontay Johnson, we've seen what he can do. Calvin Calvin Austin, speedster. You have Jalen Warren, who is explosive and special, and Najee Harris, who is eh, but he can bruise. The O-line has been a lot better, in my opinion, and you still have a star-studded defense. Alex Highsmith, TJ Watt, Pat Pete ain't what he used to be, but he's still okay. Minka Fitzpatrick when healthy, arguably one of the best playmakers on defense. Kenny Pickett should not be struggling as much as he is, and I'm shocked that the Steelers are six and four when they really, really shouldn't be. They've been out gained in every single game this season. I think Kenny Pickett, Jake, I wouldn't be surprised if potentially they have to go up in the first and get one. Because if you think about it, who do you have, like, what is your biggest weakness other than quarterback? Running back's good, wide receiver's good, O-line's solid, tight end is good, edge rusher's fine, interior's fine, linebacker's good secondary is good. What do you need? A quarterback, a quarterback that can accurately deliver the ball because Kenny Pickett, Jake, he's missed wide open throws. He's made his throws that you'd see people make in a Turkey bowl. And I think if I remember right, Jake, CJ Stroud has like three or four times the games with multiple touchdowns that Kenny Pickett has because Jake, he has one He has one multi-touchdown game in his career. It's bad. It's real bad. (laughs) It's bad.
1: It definitely is because I actually saw another stat that made me laugh my ass off, and it literally went, Tommy DeVito has more multiple touchdown passing games. He has two compared to Kenny Pickett, who has one.
0: Yep, that's what I I was going to say that one, but I couldn't remember if it was multiple touchdown passing. multiple touchdown games but yes tommy devito my coldwell banker associate as i like to call him because we don't know where he came from they probably plucked him out of his nine to five to play quarterback for him and he has more multi-touchdown games than kenny pickett who was a first round pick that's bad Mm -hmm. but jake we're gonna real quick end things here well first off before we do that we First off, I want to get your pick for the Black Friday game that you and I both forgot about, Dolphins, Jets. Uh, Granted, I think we both have the same consensus pick, which is the Dolphins.
1: Yeah, I think the Dolphins win this game handily. The only way the Jets have a snowball's chance at hell of winning this is if their defense holds up against this mighty Dolphins offense Inconsistent. Offense, but still, if they're firing all cylinders, top three offense in the league. Absolutely. And the only the only way they're going to win on offense is if Garrett Wilson has a game of games and Brees Hall fucking just blasts through everybody.
0: Yeah, it. That's basically. Well, Jake, you're you're. uh Old quarterbacks, old friend, Tim Boyle will be starting because Zach Wilson was finally benched. He was put to third string, which honestly is where he belongs. He should not be anywhere near a starting quarterback job because I'll be honest, I don't think I've seen a worse quarterback. And I did Have see a little bit of Jamarcus Russell,
1: which is did saying, did you something. see who the second string is?
0: I did. I, I, I did. Trevor, it is Trevor Simeon. fucking Simeon. And Jake, you, you, you want to know how many uh, touchdowns at UConn Tim Boyle had? Huh. One. You want to know how many picks? Six. 13. He had one touchdown and 13 picks at UConn. And this man is going to be starting for a NFL football team. Pigs really can fly over the frozen tundra of hell. But Jake, before we end this podcast that I think is a little bit of a surprise, you wanted to do a new segment called How Hot Is Their Seat?
1: This is a segment that I kind of came up with on the fly, but it's always been an idea brewing in the back of my mind. Every year around, usually Thanksgiving or at least past halfway point, you are seeing the national media talk about how hot is an NFL coach, head coach's seat. And what that is referring to is how much or how likely the head coach of an NFL team is going to get fired. For an example, we could say Matt Eberflus for the Bears. His seat is pretty hot right now. There's a couple more in the NFL that are worse, but not many. So, Adam, I will let you go over your first, because I know one of yours, and you are very passionate about him getting fired, and I don't blame you. I am, too.
0: Oh, absolutely. Brandon Staley, go fuck yourself. Uh, I think Brandon Staley should have been fired last year after he blew a 27 to nothing lead. I don't care what you say about Justin Herbert. Uh, He doesn't play defense. He doesn't play corner. He doesn't play linebacker. He doesn't play edge. You let Trevor Lawrence come back and get 30 points on you. I don't know what just it blows my mind, Jake, the defiance that Brandon Staley has where he was openly trying to bully a reporter to stop asking questions about the defense after they collapsed against your Packers and your Packers are not that good. He they basically are. had a mini meltdown and w- listening to it. My brain was just like, the Spanoses are not stupid. They're cheap, but they're not stupid. I wouldn't think that you would want your coach making headlines for fighting with the media. And it's just, I told Jake this off uh, before we started recording Brandon Staley is the most cocky motherfucker who had a cup of coffee with Sean McVay, basically. Good for you, bud. So did half the coaches now. Look at the 2013 Washington, like assistant coaching staff, Jake. Almost all of them are either a head coach or an offensive coordinator. They're all studs. McVay, LaFleur, Oh, my god! Quite a few others. Shanahan. Shanahan. Kyle Shanahan is. And you have so... That brain power is just mind-boggling. And yet you have... You have this guy who coached defense for one year. Congratulations. You had Aaron Donald and Jalen Ramsey when you were coaching. I think I probably could have, too. I just... This man infuriates me to no end because his decision-making is... For lack of a better term, brain dead, because we saw this before the 27, nothing collapse in the game against the Raiders the year prior, you are, you have a chance to make the playoffs and you are going for it on fourth down on your own 18 yard line. I like playing aggressive, but there is a time and a place and there is a situation At your own 18, you are basically throwing games at that point. And I don't understand how he has a job. I know they can get rid of him because the Spanos is, like I said, they're cheap. They're not paying anyone. They're not paying their coach. They don't pay coaches. I would give it to Kellen Moore, ASAP, give him a test run because you already have him under contract and you can then see what you have with Kellen Moore running the helm And then you can actually look at, do we want to, do we want to pay him? Do we want to look elsewhere? Maybe go get Ben Johnson. Who knows? Maybe Harbaugh, if he wants to leave college with his controversy going on. Brandon Staley, though, Jake, should not be employed by an NFL team. He damn sure should never have a head coaching job ever again. I think
1: he's one of those guys that does good as a coordinator, but not good as a coach. I think if he moved down and stayed as a defensive coordinator for the next 20 to 25 years, he'd be mightily fine. He'd make a shit ton of money at it. Just don't become a head coach again, man. But I, and I agree with you on all those points about Brian Staley. Staley.
0: My, my um, final thing, Jake, before, before I let you go, Brandon Staley, this is what he reminds me of, Jake. It's sort of like the guy who you loan a car to, and like it's a really nice car, think, you know, like a Maserati Lamborghini. And he dings it up, and when you ask him about it, he says, Look, the car's in one piece. Stop asking me about the ding. I brought you the car back. I have full confidence in my driving ability. Why are you asking me about the ding? It's not that big of a deal. Yeah, the fuck it is, Mm -hmm. genius. So, and
1: I agree with you on all that. And another way to put it is, he has all the fancy cars in the world. Maserati, Lamborghini, Porsche, all these big dogs, and he drives a fucking 2012 Ford Focus. Yeah. But moving, moving on to my first head coach, I have a rare one-and-done situation. I think Frank Reich is going to be done with the Panthers after this year. He, I love the guy, but I don't know what happened to him in these last couple of years. I think Carson Wentz really fucked with him. He was supposed to be the savior to fix Carson Wentz when he was in, in Indy, but I think it ruined him. I don't know if it's maybe just because the Panthers are devoid of talent or their offense is absolute shit. I don't know what it is, but just get rid of the guy at this point. If you give him another year, you risk another year of Bryce Young being murdered behind that offensive line, because obviously your blocking scheme isn't doing shit. Now, I don't know if how much blame goes to the O line coach for the Panthers, and how much blame goes to the offensive coordinator, and how much blame goes to Frank Reich. But you are the head coach, man. You oversee all football operations. Get your shit together.
0: Yeah. I, I, oh, no, go go go
1: ahead.
0: Go ahead. All, all I, I was going to say
1: was David Tepper is a very impatient businessman. If he decides to fire Frank Reich, don't be surprised.
0: Yeah, actually, that's actually where I was going to pick up. I was going to pick up where you left off there because, yes, David Tepper is a very impatient owner. He does not like to give his coaches too much time. We saw how quickly he extended Matt Rule, and we saw how much of a mistake that was. M- Matt Rule is a college coach or a decent coordinator. I don't look at him as necessarily a head coach in the NFL. But, Jake, I think that Frank Reich's seat While it could be warm, I don't think it should be too hot because that O-line is hot garbage. Your wide receiver core is pretty devoid of talent. You basically have Jonathan Mingo, who's a rookie who you thought would maybe make a splash, and he hasn't even made a ripple. And Adam Thielen, who's about 900, is your leading receiver and somehow has been making it work. Bryce Young... I wouldn't j- rush to judge because what does he really have around him? He, nothing. That That's what he has. Nothing. I think that Frank Reich, if you remember in Indy, he did coach Carson Wentz to one of his best years as far as interceptions, 27 touchdowns, seven picks. The only reason why Frank Reich got fired is and stuck with Matt Ryan is because Carson Wentz lost those final two games, and Jim Ursay is is an impulsive, dumbass prick who just will react nonstop and just rather stupidly. He just won't think things through. That's why, I mean, the man, he's on Twitter more often than anyone, any NFL owner by a mile, which if my NFL owner's on Twitter... I'd be very concerned. But I think that David Tepper, he needs to realize what he has is a long-term thing. And it's not just a one-year fixer-upper. And I think that's his issue. Because he's a hedge fund guy, you're supposed to see results so quickly, and he just can't understand the fact that the NFL requires development, it requires time. And it's, there's no such thing as a quick fix. We all thought that with Denver and look how that ended up. We all thought that with New York and with Aaron Rodgers, that has ended in a tragedy. There's no such thing as a quick fix. And I don't think any of these owners really realize that, especially David Tepper. And if he does fire Frank Reich, you're going to get a reputation of, we don't give our coaches any chance to succeed. Because if they have one bad season, they're gone. I think the seat should be warm. I don't think it should be too hot though. But Jake, I want to hear your second coach because I do have a couple that I was going to bring up, but I wanted to make sure you were able to get yours out before, in case I stole it.
1: Okay, so my second is more of a
0: scapegoat
1: pick because I could so see this happening robert sala of the jets i love the man me and you watched him coach up that 49ers defense for quite a few years and we love even as seattle fans we appreciated his work as defensive guys and we loved what he did developing that front seven he can lead a locker room like almost none other he is on dan campbell's type of level for leading a locker room just he can get every position right on the field except quarterback. You had your quarterback this year, four plays into the season, down with an ACL tear. He Achilles, is going to even if worse. Get, sorry. Yeah. Achilles. If he gets fired, it's going to be because of a scapegoat, because you've had amazing drafts. Joe Douglas, your GM is not talked about for how good of a GM he is. I think at the end of the day, his seat is warm. Not hot or maybe lukewarm is a better time. But when you're in that New York media, things can happen that are very unrational. And the Jets owners, eh, not the greatest. I think if, and I I don't think either of us want to see him get fired. I want to see him get a full year with a good quarterback. Not even a great. Just give him a mid-tier quarterback. His defense will kick ass. His run game will do good. He has good weapons. Get another good draft. Who the hell knows what happens?
0: And that's the thing, Jake, is it would be a scapegoat thing. Because I look at Robert Sala and the rule with coaches, and I've heard this rule a few times, is when you hire a coordinator whatever they do, whatever their side of the ball is, whether it's offense, defense, hell with, you know, Harbaugh, it's special teams, John Harbaugh, Uh, If they can get their side of the ball right, that's already a good sign. We talk about coaches like Sean McVay. That offense was fixed five games in. Brian Flores, when he was head coach of the Dolphins, that defense ended up looking really, really good. Shanahan. That offense has looked really, really good. What we see, though, is sometimes that's not the case. You mentioned Matt Eberflus. The defense has been abysmal. Brandon Staley, defensive guy, atrocious. I think that you look at that defense, and it is the only reason why that the Jets have been in any of these games. I mean, this is one of the first games where they were just handily beat by the Bills last week. Whereas they've been able to keep a lot of games close that they had no business keeping. I mean, they they split with the Bills. They beat them week one because they forced Josh Allen to have four turnovers. I mean, you look at the Cowboys. Cowboys steamroll bad teams, so I don't hold that too much against them. But like, they've won games that they've had no business winning. And so that's why... I mean, Jake, they're four and six, and yet they've been in like eight out of their 10 games. I think that what I would be really, really looking at, though, Jake, is Joe Douglas being potentially gone. I think Joe Douglas, he's had very good drafts. You've been able to get sauce. You've been able to, you know, get Elijah Vera Tucker. You've made good picks. Brees Hall. Like you, Garrett Wilson, you've made fantastic picks. The problem is, is you missed on the two most important positions, Zach Wilson, quarterback, Makai Becton, left tackle, the worst positions you could miss on. And that I think has skewed the view of Joe Douglas and his drafting ability massively. He is drafted extremely well, but because those picks are so high profile, it is just absolutely killed his reputation. I think he would more likely be out, but I think Sala, he should be able to look at the owner and he should be able to go, my defense has kept us in games we have no business being in. We beat the Broncos and look at what the Broncos are doing now. And we beat them pretty decently. We beat the Eagles and they're nine and one. Their one loss is to us. I I think that Robert Sala, you're absolutely right. If he does get fired, it's a scapegoat job, and you can't have that. But Jake, I'm very curious about what you're going to think for my second coach and the last coach in this, and that's Ron Rivera. I love Ron Rivera. I've always thought that Ron Rivera is a fantastic coach with what we saw for the Panthers. But looking at what he's done with the commanders, that's definitely changed my opinion on that. Because think about this, Jake, in Carolina, you had Cam Newton, who was a physical specimen, absolute freak at quarterback, could run it really well, had a cannon of an arm and decent accuracy. I'm not going to say it was great, but decent. And yet you never had back to back winning seasons with him. What? And now you have Sam Howell, which there's something there. And yet. You look at how they coach Sam Howell and this offense; it's kind of just it's stale. And even then, you had both Chase Young and Montez Sweat traded, like we mentioned earlier. I think that was a sign that he's going to be on his way out, and they're going to shift to an to a more offensive culture. And it's mainly because of the fact that you have a quarterback, and you need to be able to embrace and wrap your arms around that quarterback because if you remember at the beginning of the season there was talks that Jacoby Brissett could be the starter and Ron Rivera was genuinely seriously entertaining that he was he did not give the full vote of confidence to Sam Howell until I think week one and as a defensive coach their defense has been bad I mean 31 points to the Giants. Is unacceptable in any case, especially with Tommy DeVito. You can't have that. I think that Ron Rivera has to go. I'm sorry, he he has to go. I understand why he is, you know, highly regarded as a defensive coach. Like you mentioned, he was on the '85 Bears team that only lost one game and won the Super Bowl. But I think he has to go you need to get a quarterback or you need to get a coach to help your young quarterback and run Rivera. I'm sorry. I think it's the, it might be the end of his head coaching career.
1: I think Sam Hill will definitely stick around. I think that the ownership has realized like, Hey, this is our first year. We got something with this kid. Let's give him one more year. And if he continues to impress, fuck it. Sign him to a deal, and after his third year, if he continues to impress, and say like, "All right, you're the quarterback kid. You're a franchise. Have fun." And there's definitely enough building pieces on that offense to do a damn good job. Get a good, get a younger tight end, and fix the fucking O line. That's all you have to do. And the defense will come along by itself because you got good young pieces on that defense as well. Obviously, you have to get a pass rusher or two in there too, but. We'll talk about that another day. I think that Ron Rivera's seat is definitely pretty hot, honestly. He is probably in the top five, and I think he's actually top three for betting odds to be fired as well. I And you said it best, we both love him. I've always loved Ron Rivera and the spirit that he has brought. I remember last year when he was doing rounds of chemo And having an IV drip in him on the sideline of an NFL game, coaching because he was trying to beat cancer. What other NFL coach in NFL history could you say has done that? No, he has such a passion for the game that it's infectious. I think he's a great players' coach. He is a great person, but at the end of the day. You have to be good in the win column. If he gets fired, I understand why. I'm going to hate it because, like we both said earlier, we both love him. But it comes down that the NFL is a business, and it's not a what have you done for me in the past. It's what have you done for me lately. These last two seasons, he hasn't done much, and I hate to see that about him.
0: And Jake, there's a reason why the NFL has always said it's been stood for not for long. A lot of people only apply that to players. I think that it also applies to coaches. And unfortunately for Ron Rivera, I think that it's going to be his time now to no longer be a head coach. I would love to see him as an assistant somewhere, but I I don't know. We'll have to wait and see. But that's going to wrap this up for this Wednesday edition of Run Past the Brain Cell. Make sure to check us out on Spotify, iHeartRadio, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Make sure to subscribe so you never miss an episode. And for Jake Miller, I'm Adam Skirko. We'll see you next time. Take care.
1: Take it easy.